So, as you guys probably know, um, this term we're looking at different topics that all relate to things that Christians do. And this week is no different. We're going to be answering the specific question, why do Christians still sin? So if you're a Christian, you probably already know that you're sinful and that everyone else is too. But I don't know about you, but I constantly see people who come into church and who are turned away by the fact that the people in the churches are deeply flawed. I know people who aren't interested in coming to church because of a falling out they've had with someone or a disagreement or they think Christians are really hypocritical or they just don't see what's good about following Jesus from the actions of the people in the church, which is really disappointing because these sorts of people might really be interested in Jesus but are turned away by the actions of the people who are meant to be following him. So in a study by McCrindle in May 2017, they found that 65% of people who took their survey about religion in Australia agreed that their perceptions of Christianity were negatively influenced by the actions and behaviours of Christians in society, specifically being negatively impacted or influenced by hypocrisy. 65% is a really crazy amount. And it tells me that sin is a problem for us, but it also affects the way that we represent Christianity. And for some reason... Once you're a Christian, you're expected to act perfectly, which is impossible. But why is it true? Why does the world expect Christians to be perfect? Should they be perfect? Why do Christians still sin if they're saved? Does being sinful mean that you aren't actually a Christian? Tonight we're going to delve into this so we can understand why Christians still sin and get answers to all of these questions. But before we do, I'm going to pray again. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. I pray that as we discuss this topic tonight, your spirit will be working to help us grow in knowledge in the topic of sin and help us to understand how we deal with it as Christians. Amen. And you'll have to excuse me, I do have a frog in my throat, so I'm going to have a drink of water and then proceed. Thank you, sorry. So, <laughs> in order for us to understand why Christians still sin, we need to understand each part of the question. And that would be understanding what is sin and what is a Christian. So after that, we can smush them together and answer our main question, why do Christians still sin? So, what is sin? How do we actually define it? We're going to go back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis 3. If you have a Bible, we're going to be jumping around a bit. 
Um, and we're going to look at the characteristics of sin. We know that this part of Genesis is the start of sin in the world. And as we examine it, we can see that the sin of Adam and Eve has a main characteristic that tells us about what sin is. So let's read it together. It'll be on the screen, starting from verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and that you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, said the serpent to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So this is basically where it all starts. Eve is tempted by the serpent and doesn't obey God's commands. She eats the fruit from the tree, gives some to her husband too, and bam, they've committed the first sin. And the whole reason this act is sinful is because of their disobedience to God. Their rebellion against what he had told them to do. And we see that this sort of rebellion against God defines the rest of humanity's history. All throughout the Bible, the stories are full of people rebelling against God, disregarding his law, and taking matters into their own hands. We see this particularly in the book of Judges and throughout Israel's history, when David who was the best king that Israel had, slept with another man's wife and arranged for him to be killed in battle. When you read the book of Judges and other books in the Old Testament like Kings, most of what we see is rebellion against God in action. Even in the New Testament, we see examples like Peter, Jesus' own disciple, denying him three times. People consistently rebel against God and do what their own heart desires. Sin is at its core rebellion against God. So if you're at kick this year, you might remember that, or maybe just raise your hand if you're at kick. Oh, cool, not many. I get to tell you. Um, this isn't my idea. One of the speakers mentioned an acronym that can help us remember that sin is rebellion against God. And so he said that sin is like saying, stuff you God for the S, I'm in charge for the I, not you for the N. So all together, stuff you God, I'm in charge, not you. Sin is plainly rebellion against God. A verse that summarizes it well from 1 John 3, 4 says, For oh, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. 
sin is the absence of God's law. It is rebellion against how he would like us to act. When people try to separate themselves from God's law, our hearts end up deciding our actions. Without God's law and his insight into our lives, we are at liberty to sin. We read in Genesis 8.21 that every intent of the human heart is evil. And we know now that no one can escape this reality because in Romans 3.23 it says, For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sin is in this world and it's in us. But thankfully, God has been working from the start to create solutions that solve the problem of our sin. Back in the Old Testament, God instituted a sacrificial system of animals as a way for his people to stay in a covenant relationship with him. Even though our sin should separate us from God, he worked out ways for us to stay in a relationship with him because he loves us. Sacrifice of animals was a sin of And in the New Testament, Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate sin offering that reconciled us back to God. Through his sacrifice, we have the ability to be forgiven by God for the sins we commit. This leads into our second question, which we've basically already answered together. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. Romans 10.9 tells us, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's as simple as that. Christians are people who want to stop rebelling against God and instead follow Christ. If being sinful is saying God is not our king, then Christians are people who say God is their king. And because of that and what Jesus did on the cross, they're called forgiven. So now we've established what sin is and what a Christian is. And we can answer our main question. Why do Christians still sin? Essentially, we still sin because even though we are forgiven, we live in a fallen and broken world. Our place in heaven is secure, but in the now, We live in a sinful state and are here in a sinful place. And your immediate reaction to this might be, oh my goodness, that kind of sucks. I'm just kind of like stuck here being a sinner. But what we need to remember is that our sinful states remind us of our need for a saviour. And we're living in this place because we are eagerly awaiting Jesus' return. If we weren't sinful, 
what need would there be for a saviour? If it were possible to be perfect with no record of wrongs, there would be no reason for Jesus. Our sin points us to Jesus and his perfect ledger, which he gave to us. And here, Jesus has come, he has died to save us, he rose again and is now seated in heaven with God. The book of John in chapter 14 says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. We believe that Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven. And now we live waiting his return when he take us to be with him in heaven only then will we be sinless and only then will we truly be able to live with God as our king without rebelling against him so in summary Christians still sin because even though they are saved from the punishment of their sin they still live in a fallen and broken world. If Christians didn't sin, there would be no reason for Jesus. And thinking that we can simply stop sinning undermines the sacrifice that he made for us. We are still in this fallen and broken world because we're living in the time between Jesus' ascension and his second coming. So that gets me thinking, right, I've got another question now. If sin is unavoidable, should I care? Should I just do whatever I want and not care because I know that God will forgive me? No, not at all. We should want to pursue righteousness and work on our sin. We can't be indulging in our sin with the knowledge that we will be forgiven. When you become a Christian, your life changes and you live in a way that is different from how you lived before. I'm going to read part of Ephesians 2, starting at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before we were Christians, we lived with sin as our king. Now we put that aside and do good works in response to our salvation. We change for the better and we're called to continually strive to do good works in the eyes of the Lord. We are called to pursue righteousness and disregard the desires of our hearts. Having this sort of mindset might seem, might, <laughs> having this mindset, sorry, means that you might seem weird. You might seem like you don't get it. 
and you won't ever fit in. But when everyone in your class is teasing your teacher, you know that you won't because you pursue righteousness. When everyone is using a website that's unhelpful and inappropriate, you won't because you pursue righteousness. You pursue God as your king, not sin as your king. If you aren't a Christian, because the reality of not everyone being able to escape sinful behavior means that you don't need to be a certain level of good to approach Jesus. Your faith comes first and the actions follow. God doesn't expect perfection from you. He sent his son to be the perfect one. He just expects you to believe. If you are a Christian, I hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this topic. We shouldn't be okay with our sin. We should be constantly striving to improve and grow in righteousness. I'll finish by reading some words from 2 Peter 1. In this passage, he's just mentioned that we are called. And then in verse 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. We strive for good works and righteousness because we have confidence and comfort in knowing that our life is in Jesus and that we have been cleansed from our sins. We pursue qualities of goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and more because we are called to act in response to our faith. And when we do sin, ask for forgiveness and repent because Jesus laid down his life so that we could be forgiven. I'm going to pray now for us, specifically a prayer that asks for forgiveness. So if you agree, you can say amen at the end. Lord God, thank you so much for the gift of your son Jesus so that we can humbly approach you and ask for forgiveness. We confess that we continually rebel against you and constantly sin. Lord, we are sorry. And we ask that through your son, you would forgive us. In his name we pray. Amen.